What's good, everyone? You're listening to WKNC 88.1 FM HD2 Raleigh. We are a student-run nonprofit radio station based out of North Carolina State University. I'm Plover, and this is Off the Record. Here with me today is Eddie Ruger. How are you doing today? I'm all right, man. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. I'm so glad you were able to, to come in for this. Um, so if you want to just give the audience sort of a quick uh, background about uh, who you are and uh, what do you do. Sure. My name is Eddie Ruger. I'm a MC or a rapper from Greensboro, North Carolina. I've done quite a bit of stuff. I've been on Boondocks cartoon. I've been on the Breaking Bad television series. I've got uh, collaborations with all kinds of people, everybody from Bun B to Ritz to Wax, Jelly Roll, Riff Raff, done tons of wrestling themes. Kind of just trying to do it all. I own my own clothing line coming off of that. So just try to make the whole brand expand a little bit and bring it all together. That's awesome. So um, how did you kind of get into, I guess, uh, I, I know you have a bunch of different um, things, but when did you get into rap specifically? Like, what was that kind of journey? I've actually been into rap my entire life, man. I started um, my first rap that my mom actually found, I think when I was like nine years old. And uh, my sister got me into hip hop when I was probably like four or five. She gave me mixtapes of UTFO and Houdini and uh, Roxanne Shantae and Run DMC and just Slick Rick, Dana Dane, all on one tape. So I've kind of been into it my whole life. So it's like it's like mixtape, uh, I guess, culture kind of really important. I know that's a kind of a crucial part of rap, but so that's something you like really um, care about and would, would like to see continue. Now, as far as a fan listening to I've got two different opinions on that. <laughs> um, as far as a fan listening to it, I grew up in the mixtape culture and I loved it. As far as an artist, I've never made a single mixtape because gotcha. they don't make you any money. Yeah. So, and you have sampling issues and you got a license, clear licenses and all that kind of stuff. You can't get it placed on radio stations. You can't get mm-hmm. it. It's it's crazy once you get into the mixtape stuff. But as a fan, I love hearing MCs rap over other MCs' beats and see what they would do to it. So, I mean, I loved it. I grew up on um, G-Unit during that whole mixtape era. I grew up on a dip set and ludicrous when he was down south doing it so yeah i love the mixtape area as a fan but as an artist it's just something i never got into because it just wasn't lucrative <laughs> yeah yeah i totally get that um so what would you describe your like specific kind of uh rap that you produce uh, it's a very wide genre of course i don't know how i would describe mine to be honest man i've done i mean i've done a little bit of everything like mm-hmm. on um on breaking bad where we did more of the electronic style like uk grime style dubstep and we've got entire albums of that on on my projects with my brother philly fresh who is the producer for dubborough which is our side project group um we've got it's more experimental glitch hop trip hop stuff like that but then if you do my album my albums are more like more down south hip-hop mixed Mm -hmm. with up north style lyrics if that would make sense because yeah. I love the more down south beats, but I love the more punch heavy lyrics of the New York rappers and the West Coast rappers. Now, West Coast is probably my favorite hip hop scene, other than my own hip hop scene here. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, it's it's a weird mix of all the genres that I've been influenced by put together. But we do it all because <laughs> I've got uh, songs like Joyriding and Good Day that are very feel good, um, more jam band kind of influenced hip-hop and then i've got like i said the more experimental stuff and then you've got with my favorite which i do is more the down south trap type of hip-hop that's more mixed with like a, a mature hustler type of music like an, a more grown-up type of hustler music 
Yeah, for sure. But so, uh, what mean, do you? We kind of do it all. I'm sorry. No, no, uh, you're all good. Sorry about that. Uh, what do you mean exactly by like uh, kind of punch-heavy lyrics? Um, just nothing but punchlines. I mean, it's it's definitely metaphors, similes, just basically punchlines throughout the entire thing. But with my style, I like to connect those to where it actually gives you a message and a story, mm-hmm. and it's not just random punchlines back to back. Yeah, it's yeah. It's gonna be like I do a bunch of double time. And I also do just regular, double time is like the faster rap. And then I also do the slower, like um, more classic type of hip hop. But with both of them, you got to make sure that even though you're doing the punchlines, I like to make sure mine are connected to where even if the people don't care about punchlines at all, it has a story and a message behind it. Yeah, and you got sure. the people who look deeper into it, they find the punchlines and you find something new every time you play my songs. Yeah, yeah. The- Two people can listen to your songs and think of completely uh, two different experiences. Um, Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned a side project earlier. What exactly does, does that entail? The side projects I do are, are really, really fun, man. Mm-hmm. Um, the main one we've got is The Burrow, which got us actually placed on Breaking Bad. And it's more of the electronic stuff. It's mainly me and Philly Fresh that are doing it nowadays. It started off with me, Philly Fresh, JJ the Genius, and Doug Killer. Mm-hmm. And once we all got into TV music and custom music, we kind of went separate directions depending on the jobs that we got in TV and music and stuff. So me and Philly Fresh are doing um, The Burrow, which this latest one was more of a glitch hop type of thing. Yeah. So it's definitely got the trap UK grime like uh, drill style beats, but it's more of um, a little bit faster rap and faster lyrics with it. So we basically just, it's crazy, man. We do more experimental stuff that you won't hear on the radio and that you can't really get pretty much anywhere. And that's what got us on Breaking Bad is they were like, yeah, we need this style right here. And can y'all remake us something? Absolutely. You got my wrestling side projects, which are my custom music that I do mainly with A.Dot Star, who is also the one who's produced my last two albums. Dude is amazing. Um, those we've done everything from rock to country rap to old school boom bap to just straight out like metal. So I mean, it's we we've been genres a lot, man. That's crazy. I I I, I guess I didn't really realize I was talking to a a, a modern day renaissance man. That's, that, that's really impressive. I try my best. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Um, do you find that like easier to like? the more genres you hop like the i don't know like does that like make your music better now that you like have like different sounds and stuff that you can like really work with it's kind of a catch-22 i mean it definitely makes it more fun but one of the way i've been described my entire career is that i'm too underground to be commercial and too commercial to be underground (laughs) so like i'm one of the underground guys that knows how to write songs and write hooks but Mm -hmm. i'm also so underground that I'm going to keep my lyrics the way I want them, and I'm going to make my songs the way I want them. I'm not going to, you know, bend to the trends and how they're doing it on the radio. So it, it's really weird, but I've, I've been I've been successful independently off of that, so mm-hmm. I like to keep it like that. The way I got more control over what I do, but it's definitely made it more fun. I'll say That's that. Great. Yeah, we love to see that. Um, and talking of music, you recently dropped an album, uh, ROI. Can you tell us a bit about uh, kind of that process? Yeah, shout out to R. To, I about said ROI. Shout out to A. Star. He's the one who produced every song on there. He's the guy I was just talking about. Does a lot of the wrestling stuff with me too. Um, that one ROI. For those who don't know, I'm sure a lot of people do since we're on you know NC State Radio. So we got uh, 
ROI means return on investment, but it mm-hmm. can also mean a lot of other things, which we let people, you know, come up with those on their own. But it was originally for uh, return on investment, meaning it's time to get everything that we've done in the industry and get paid for it. Mm-hmm. Like we've done tons of stuff for free. We've done tons of stuff for cheap. And, you know, we've toured all over the place, and now it's time for us to come back home, get this right, and get our money from it. And what we did with that was basically made sure, like I said, we were having fun. The the easiest way for us to see going back to getting the money from it is making sure we do what we want to do, stay in our lane, and have fun with it. So what we did, both of us are huge wrestling fans, like I I keep mentioning. So we went and got – two of the biggest wrestlers in the game right now, which happen to be homies of ours, Platinum Max Caster and Swerve the Realist, who are both, one of them is actually, they just fought each other for the tag team championship <laughs> last week. So now Platinum Max is now the AEW World Tag Team Champion with his partner Anthony Bowen, and they just beat Swerve and Keith Lee. But both of those guys are on the album. So we've now blended not only the custom music that we do, we've blended it with what we're actually doing outside of the custom music which has been pretty successful, and that's one of the ways we're getting the ROI on it, is blending those two crowds, the hip-hop crowd and the wrestling crowd together, and then our you know, our our um, main crowd. So you just put it all together, and then we got there. And then I'm a huge battle rap fan, too, so I went and got my homie Jag, which is Cassidy's artist that's a big battle rapper, and he's on there, too. So we just made it it's, from the front to the back. It's actually, it tells a story. It's all right, I'll just explain it like I explained it to my producer, man. This is going to be dope. All right, so Sounds good. We, we made it a story from front to back. So you play the first song, and you hear us breaking into a safe. And then it goes all the way through what happens after we break into the safe. And then it, at the very end, there's a song called We Made It. It's got a very triumphant outro mm-hmm. about how we made it out and all this. So there's a whole roller coaster in between. But the key to it is we made it because of how – how it is today in radio and streaming and all that, we made it so that every song could be played as a single. So not only does it tell a story, it's kind of like what we were doing, what I was explaining with my actual songs. So we, we made it a story, but we also broke it down to where you could play every single song as a single. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I added several songs off of that album onto our, our our radio station. It sounds like very like, you know, powerful and just like on their own, like when they're played in like a, um, a bunch of songs of, of other artists. That's really cool, man. I really appreciate that, man. Of course, this was a great. This is a great album. I, I loved it. I wouldn't have reached out otherwise. Um, oh, uh, that means a lot. Yeah, of course. So, is that like? Is that? Um, I, I'd been looking at the cover art earlier. Is that like connected to it? Is that like y'all breaking into the safe? Yeah, that is exactly what that is. It's us breaking into the safe and getting what we think we're owed, basically. That's great. Um, and the artwork is by my man Christopher Brown, aka the Fat Boy. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's also an artist too. He's great. I was gonna say, yeah, uh, you have great cover game. There's a lot of very like punchy, cool um, uh, cover arts that you have over the years. Yeah, most of those I have done because it the game keeps changing. So basically, the way I did the CDs is to keep people interested in the CDs is to do cover art like that. Mm-hmm. Which those um, a lot of these are done by Charles Drake and William Withers, who also do um, artwork for Marvel and Upper oh. Deck trading cards. So if they happen to, say, ink a comic book later on, now you have a piece of artwork by them as well as my album. And, you know, then it can also go up online and it, it's a catchy thumbnail and stuff like that. But, yeah, the artwork's got a lot to do with, with the presentation. 
So we we definitely try to reach out and do what we can with those. For sure, and it was also that that's really cool that like I I I I, I knew that uh, Platinum Max was in wrestling, of course, it's credited as that, but I didn't know that um, Swerve was also in there because they they sound like really like seamless on the on the tracks. Like it's not just like you got some random person there who was like famous elsewhere. Like they like really like integrated with like kind of the style you were going for. That must've been really cool. Like kind of putting all those features together into, into like a, such a cohesive project that you were, you were trying to go for. Oh, it really was. And honestly, we had zero idea what to expect from it because it was like, you like I've heard their music, but you've never heard them on my style of beats. Yeah. I have a very distinct style on certain songs. So I was wondering how it was going to work, and both of them killed it. Like it. It's an amazing project, and it was extremely fun to make with these guys. And Max has blown up to the point now where he's got John Cena talking about him every other week. So wow. <laughs> when I made the song with him, he was um, – I mean, he was, he's always been very popular and, like, a great wrestler. But he, was, he wasn't to the point where he is now. Like, mm-hmm. he's definitely taking a level up. And, it, like I said, you got people like John Cena talking about you and Triple H talking about you and – you know Seth Rollins and all the big guys. There, it's it's big now. It's hard to get in touch with them nowadays. Nice. Um, I, I was also very surprised when I saw this was only produced by one producer because it's like a really like there, there's a lot of different sounds going on. That's very dynamic. Like I know you said you have a specific style of beats, but there's a lot of like different, very different like beats within that style of beat, which was really cool. Yeah, definitely. See, that's that's the part that's hard to explain to people because it's. It, it's a certain style that talks to me, but they don't sound the same, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, yeah. none of the beats sound the same, but they're very, they have to be kind of powerful and different. Like, they don't sound like everybody else. So, it's, I don't know, it's it's a weird, it's a weird mix. But, um, ADOT is extremely diverse and has only gotten more versatile the more wrestling and custom music we do. Mm-hmm. Plus, all the work he's doing on the side with all his stuff that he just did like remixes of the krs1 albums and stuff like that that he's getting ready to do so, I mean, he's got um it, there's a lot of stuff coming out between both of us but he keeps getting better and better mm-hmm. the more people kind of challenge him that dude can learn anything like he can learn any style of beat if i send him something like hey they need us to do an irish and this has happened this isn't just me making it up mm-hmm. hey they need us to do like an irish steampunk like beat <laughs> hip-hop and he's like, well, I don't know what that means, but give me a second. <laughs> I'm like, all right. We'll He'll go find the plug-ins, get it right, and send me something amazing. Like, the dude, is, he's genius. Nice. Um. So, what, like, uh, obviously this is a, a great back-to-front album, but, like, if, if listeners would only listen to, like, one song, for example, uh, what would you say would be that one, like, on one off the album for you? So, my main answer, I would say as a fan, probably Big Old Bag would be the main song I would want anybody from this album to hear because it's going to be catchy to everybody. Family, kids, people out working, going to work out, jogging around the neighborhood, just going to work. Like, that's going to be catchy to anybody. For sure. But if you wanted to get to know me as a person, I would have to say probably We Made It or Everything Ain't Bright. One of those two. But Big Old Bag would be my main answer. Yeah, yeah. Those last two were definitely, like, a very, like, kind of personal, like, very, like, good, like, send-offs for that album. But yeah, that, I, would, I would definitely recommend those as well. Yeah, if you... if want to get to know me on a personal level those would definitely be the two that like one of them's a little darker one of them's a little brighter but that, those are the two on the opposite sides of the spectrum mm-hmm. uh, how do you say this was kind of a i guess a, an evolution from something like uh, implied greatness from like last year like any of your like last year's projects well implied greatness was different and um that was honestly just uh somebody i don't do too much boom bap hip-hop mm-hmm. so one of my friends is pomac who produced that entire project 
and everybody was like, I want to hear your style with, you know, bridges and breakdowns and things that aren't usually in boom bap on a boom bap album. Mm-hmm. So that's where that one came from. So that wasn't um, that wasn't really put together over a long period of time like ROI was, but Implied Greatness came out great because basically what that is is uh, it, it's got two different meanings to the to the title. It's Implied Greatness because me and Pomac did it, so everybody just assumes it's going to be great. Of course. got a great artist from Virginia and a great artist from North Carolina. But on the other end of it, it, it's basically talk about the entire game, how everybody just wants to tell you they're great instead of letting everybody else tell you they're great. <laughs> like they want to spend most of their time telling everybody how great they are instead of proving it and letting the fans prove that they're great. So the album cover has one side is a drum machine and the other side is a lie detector test. And if you if you've seen them, they both look really similar. Yeah, I I I I actually didn't know what either of those machines were. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, that's what that was because basically it's like, all right, so you're on the beats now. Here's a lie detector. <laughs> so, but that's what that one was. But the uh, Gorilla Grind album series was to be able to go from that to um, just working with one main producer yeah. as a dot. It it's definitely honestly it was a pretty easy transition because Gorilla Grind I was working with about seven or eight producers and it was hard to get everybody on the same page. It was hard to get a seamless uh, vibe for it. I mean, we ended up doing it in the end. But also on Gorilla Grind, on definitely part two, we had a bunch of features from all over the world. So, I mean, it was just, it was hard getting everything put together. It was hard getting everything in on time. But we did it, and it came out to be probably one of the best albums I've ever put out. But um, I really think this album, ROI, is probably one of the first albums I've been able to do on my own that, with everything I wanted to put out on it and not had any outside influences as far as the industry, as far as um, just other styles of music, like music, just hearing other artists. I didn't even listen to any albums while I wrote it. I just wanted to get this out. For so sure. That's basically where that came from. Uh, you mentioned it, it took a while to make. Uh, how, how long was, was the, the process behind ROI? A little over a year. So we had this one, usually it takes me about three or four months to make an album and then another three to plan out how I'm going to do it and all this. But this one, um, it took us about a year, year and a half to record. And then we're still in the process of actually rolling it out because we're doing a whole new way of rolling it out. So instead of just planning it out at the beginning, we just planned out the, the bigger stuff and then we're just rolling with it and see how it works. Mm-hmm. And we're doing pretty much all direct to consumer now. I don't have too much on the streaming sites because I just I don't like the way they do it. But I mean, it'll eventually be out there. But I still like everybody being able to contact me directly and being able to you know talk to my fans and talk to my supporters and be able to you know contact them directly and them directly contact me. Yeah, sure. And and that was how I was able to reach out and get the music through through Bandcamp. So um, yeah, I'm really glad you're kind of focusing on that like very personal connection um, to the artist. It's a lot easier too, man. And it's it's like I made, let's say, I think I got uh, almost a million streams last year and made less than I would have made selling a hundred albums. Yeah. So I mean, I'm still gonna put them on there, like on streaming sites as singles, you know, here and there. Mm-hmm. But the albums are always gonna be on my site. Like there's all 17 or 18 of the albums on there, but they're not all they're not all on digital platforms mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, because you want the money, not Spotify. Yeah. 
but yeah, the Spotify. I don't know, man. That whole thing's weird, man. But there, that's a whole other conversation. But that, the streaming, the streaming thing is about to go a whole other direction. That's why they're buying everybody's catalog. But yeah. It's it's crazy because once you see them buying everybody from uh, the weekends catalog to like Paul McCartney, and you're like, hold on, what? <laughs> yeah, the the writing's on the wall for this event. Um... Yeah, they've got something planned, and I'm pretty sure it's got to do with the NFTs or something similar mm-hmm. to that, to where you can uh, buy like a portion or a share of somebody's masters and things like that. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's crazy, but yeah, it's definitely a whole other conversation. Um, yeah, it's a whole deep dive. <laughs> uh, let's see. One thing you did mention was, uh, of course, you were rolling out the album, and you, I believe you have a show um, this, is it this weekend at the Flatiron in Greensboro? Yeah. This Saturday at the Flatiron, October 22nd, and we've got lots of lots of really dope artists coming out too, man. And that, that's one thing about our shows is I only book the people that I rock with, and mm-hmm. I know that sounds crazy, but it's because I booked for years. I booked outside artists, and it was a headache. Mm-hmm. So when I came back from the pandemic, I was like, I'm only booking my friends, man. So I really don't even really book shows now. I just bring the homies, like, all mm-hmm. right, let's go. And we show up and have an awesome show. So that way you also know that the quality of the concert is going to be top shelf no matter what, too. Oh, for sure. Like every artist on there knows what they're doing. So uh, who else is going to be there? We've got, let's see, we've got Mr. Rossi going to be there. We've oh, my God. Wait, he's going to be there? Yeah, Mr. Rossi is so cool. I, I've been playing a lot of his music recently. Yeah, Mr. Rossi is actually basically like my big brother, man. He's been a mentor of mine for years and years and years, and we're we've done lots of songs together we're actually working on a project with me him and ty brew which is my brother so me ty brew ty brew is my like that's been my god that dude has been we've been on tour for the last 15 years together um but so me ty brew and mr rosie are the good day game and we're getting ready to make a whole album our whole project called the good day game and so mr rosie's gonna be there stitchy c's gonna be hosting it philly fresh is um doing the music and DJing. He don't like me to say DJing because he does a whole lot more than DJing. Mm-hmm. So Philly Fresh is running the music. Prez is running the sound. Uh, we've got Kush, Rozzy, Jones McShine's going to be there. C. Shreve, the professor, is going to be there. Uh, Sam Hughes is going to be there. Hiccupus Brickberg is going to be there. Uh, who else we got? I know I'm missing people. I know I'm missing people. <laughs> I'm trying to think. So Jeremy Johnson's going to be there. He goes by Jada Prince now. Jada Prince is going to be there. Uh, let's see. I'm missing some people. I can't I remember who, yeah, who it is. Just so, so many awesome people going to be there. It's hard to keep track. It definitely is, man. But I know I'm missing somebody. I, probably, I feel like I named everybody, but I think I named somebody twice. I gotcha. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like that. Um, So they, this is at the Flatiron. Um, I, I, I know that, um, let's see, venues have been a little impacted recently. Are, are, are there still like good venues either in, in Greensboro, kind of the wider area for like hip hop for you that you've, that you've still noticed? Oh, man, the venues are closing left and right. Man. Yeah. Um, Blind Tiger just closed, um, which was one of the main venues around here. They had a whole bunch of controversy around that. Then you got, um, let's see, Flatiron has been open, and they're going to be a stalwart around here for mm-hmm. sure. Um, they've been a staple for years and years around Greensboro, so it's just good they got back open like they needed to. Um, I'm trying to think what else closed. They've got, they, had, they had a few things out here. Mm-hmm. that are just gone now so now the only places to really play now are Flatiron, artist block and like rock house yeah i, I had no idea the blind tiger closed I, is that like a recent thing 
Yeah, that's been all within the last couple of months. Wow. Man. It's been just craziness. Because yeah, a lot of venues are like, they're like very like niche like types of music as well. That like really, were, was like kind of keeping entire scenes afloat, and now now they're closing. It's 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 unfortunate the impact on on kind of the wider scene. Yeah, that's why I'm very thankful for Flatiron and mm-hmm. Josh and you know everybody up there because they totally don't have to have us up there. But being that you know all the venues keep closing, then you know hip hop is going to be usually one of the last ones the venues accept. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's we. We bring um, a very diverse crowd, yeah. so it's it's a little different for, like, when we go in there, they know they're going to have good bar sales. They know they're going to have a cool crowd. Everybody's going to be up up front at the stage. Like It's going to be people there to see the music instead of people there just to hang out with each other and talk over the yeah. music. So it's, it's a different vibe, and they know that, so it's, it's a little easier. But, you know, it's it's still, we get a bad rap a lot of times when it, it ain't just us as everybody. <laughs> sure yeah yeah i feel like like every venue is just like punk and country now and there there needs to be more like representation for other genres yeah i mean it's, that's how that's very true but it's funny because even with like the custom music stuff it's it's real weird with the shows and the music in general because you can take you can take hip-hop outside of the hip-hop scene and be successful with hip-hop anywhere in the world mm-hmm. under any business anywhere and they're going to be accepting to it. But if you try to bring that into the hip hop scene, it doesn't work like that. So it's just, it's really weird. But, yeah, you know, that's when we kind of branched out and I started doing my own thing, which one of my most quoted lines is um, when it says, the Ruger, I'm, in the, I'm not in the music biz, I'm in the Ruger biz, because <laughs> the, the Ruger biz is more lucrative. Like that's one of my most quoted lines because I never followed the rules to the music game that's a good one yeah. i mean it didn't make sense to me so like i i saw all of it was like yeah none of this is working for anybody why is everybody doing this and, then, and i was making enough around here that i knew it could work everywhere if i just stuck to my plan and did it you know on a bigger on a larger basis yeah i mentioned around here do you mean like like the greensboro rap scene like like how it uh how is that sort of something you work with yeah, I had, I definitely, I, how do I say this without, I don't want to really pat myself on the back and say it was all me. So we, <laughs> us throwing shows for years, we brought tons of artists in. We, we've definitely helped build this scene around North Carolina without a doubt. Mm-hmm. We've had, um, we threw the biggest beat battles for years. We had um, 500 to 700 people in most of the beat battles. We had, we were sponsored by Ozone Magazine, Red Bull, um guitar center we were sponsored by all kinds of people doing that and then when we toured we've toured from not well i'm saying toured when we brought people in mm-hmm. we brought everybody in from obi trice to wiz khalifa to wu-tang clan to project pat i mean we we made sure that before the pandemic there was a hip-hop scene and it was active yeah so i'm not saying that everybody else didn't have something to do with it and everybody else didn't do their own thing because there's mm-hmm. lots of awesome promoters and lots of awesome artists around here but we definitely made sure this thing was active yeah and and, and uh you yeah you definitely deserve to pat yourself on the back for that that sounds like a, you put a lot of work into it yeah we did we put a whole lot of work into it that's why i, I don't <laughs> i don't really sugarcoat what we did i just mm-hmm. don't like taking away from everybody else because there was also a lot of other people that were doing it as well but mm-hmm. when everybody else stopped we kept going and that wasn't just during the pandemic that was other times too to where 
a club would close and everybody would stop, we'd keep going. Mm-hmm. The pandemic came, everybody stopped, we kept going. Mm-hmm. Like we would throw live basement shows to where it was only us six feet apart in the basement, but we're we got the cameras at a fisheye angle where you can see it, all of us, and everybody's rocking. And then we put those on live videos. I mean, on actual videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We put out all different kinds of collabs that we did over the pandemic. So, I mean, we just stayed active all the time. Where When other people got slow, we did. We sped up, basically. When everybody slowed down, we sped up. Yeah, because there's more of a market to, to get at that point, yeah. Very cool. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned all these uh, collaborations. What would you say is your, like, some of, like, your favorite collaborations you've, like, ever had? Well, right now, I'd say my favorite, like, without a doubt, are some of my current ones, like mm-hmm. the Akon song that we have out. Me and Stitchy C just did a song with Akon, and it's almost at a quarter million streams. That song is just great because of the message behind it. It's great because it's Akon, and it's great because we went through so many loopholes to finally get it out. Like We've mm-hmm. had that song in the stash for three years, probably more than that, and went through loophole after loophole, and we finally got it out, and it's out in a way that it should be out, and you know, it's getting it's getting the ears that it needs to get. So we appreciate that part. And then we got, let's see, my favorite as far as just being fun would be the wrestlers. Like, mm-hmm. because I'm such a huge wrestling fan and I'm such a huge um, just hip-hop fan in general to put those together and to have two wrestlers that can actually rap on the album and put out great songs. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Uh, what was it like, like getting into, I guess, like that, that side of the wrestling scene, by the way, that, that seems like a, again, a whole different like se- sector from music, but also really cool. It definitely was, man. It, it was really different as far as like the people, but the business is very similar. Mm-hmm. Like they, they don't make a ton of money independently. Like we don't make, or they weren't. Now they're doing great, just like music is. Mm-hmm. But at first, you know, independent wrestling was just underground stuff, just like music is. Then it got, it blew up more and more over the last, like, probably five to ten years. And these independent wrestlers are making, the ones that are doing it right, are making a great bit of money, man. Making a good bit of money. And it's like that with hip-hop, too. Like, a lot of people don't know exactly, I'm a great example of that. A lot of people don't realize what you do because you're not on TV and you're not, you know, in the mainstream, but then they, they look at your stuff and you're like, Oh, you've done all of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's because I chose to be independent and be able to stay home with my kids and my family and bring things here and tour when I needed to, instead of doing everything with the record labels and all that to where, you know, they're going to take all your money. Mm-hmm. So it's totally different because I've had plenty of record label offers too. And none of them have been anything worth even looking at. So yeah. But yeah, it's it's weird, man. So to get into wrestling, being that that was a, a different um, kind of outlet, one of my friends that I was working with when I was bartending is a member of the Ugly Ducklings, which is one of the best independent tag teams out right now. Mm-hmm. And um, he got me into it just because we were friends. He was like, dude, we need a song. You make it. I'll pay you. Let's do it. So I was like, all right, cool. Let's rock. And I did it. And me being a huge fan of wrestling, that didn't do anything but get me to start going to more of the wrestling around here instead of the bigger ones so i started going to a lot more matches around here that the ugly ducklings were at so i could see them and then i met their roommates who were the gymnasty boys and i ended up doing their songs and it kind of just branched out until i got to my homeboy jd drake who is one of the big guys in the independent scene around here got signed to aew and he's the one who introduced me to platinum max and it just you know went from there and the whole time we're also doing 
entrances for other people I meet along the way. And it was real cool because these guys know I'm a fan of wrestling. I'm not just a rapper that's there to make music. Like, I'm there. I'm a huge fan. Like, I go through the history of all of it with them. I was at Starcade 84, you know, <laughs> in Greensboro at the Coliseum. So I've been same as hip hop, man. I've been my whole life wrestling and rap. Yeah, and, and and I really like the the local approach because you really just can't be like a good like local scene of 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 anything really. Well, that's also my um Gorilla Grind. That's where mm-hmm. Gorilla Grind came from. Yeah. Um, Gorilla Grind is basically if the definition of being a gorilla, not the animal, but mm-hmm. you know, the gorilla <laughs> for the people listening, not not for you for the people listening. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the animal gorilla. I'm talking about the gorilla soldiers. They are well-known for using their local community support to fight off bigger, larger entities of all different kinds, and they couldn't do that without the local support. And that's where they build their foundations from. And then you got the grind part, which is just to do whatever you can to achieve your goals. So that's where Gorilla Grind came from. And if I was to go against, if I was to go against that, I wouldn't have the local support anymore, which is what got me to where I am. Absolutely. And, you know, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> no, that would not. See, is there anything else you wanted to get in? I feel like we we covered a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, let me hit uh, October twenty second again. All right, so yeah, this of Saturday, I pulled the flyer up so I didn't miss anybody this time. We've got me, Eddie Ruger with Philly Fresh and Stitchy C. Mister Rozzy's gonna be there. Chris the Rapper's gonna be there. Jones McShine, Jada Prince, Forever Jabron, Fam U, C Three the Professor, Kier, and Icarus Bridgeburg. So we got a crazy lineup. <laughs> entire squad um yeah that, again uh, thank you so much for for talking to me and 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 i really hope the show goes well this 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 weekend that sounds amazing man i appreciate it thank you for having me anytime you want to have me back up here to do the deep dive on the other stuff or to talk about <laughs> anything else let me know man i love it <laughs>